everybody. You're listening to the Morning Relay, RotoFanatic.com's daily breakdown of the fantasy baseball realm. I am here because that's what I do. I'm part of the hosting of the show. My name is Michael Gobier, and I'm here with my two excellent co-hosts, Mr. Matt Williams, the Mets man. Feeling pretty sad right now about his Mets. How's it going, Matt? It's going all right. Uh, the Mets had one person test positive for COVID, one person uh, one oh no, one player, one person in the actual like I guess front office or the staff, and they flew half the team back that wasn't part of the tracing, and uh, half of them are in Miami. I don't know what it is. Sounds like a horrible plan. <laughs> it's uh, it's too bad. Yeah, the bets were already having some tough stretches already, and this just is another bummer. Paul Bamino's here though. That's not a bummer. Great to have you along for Friday, Paul. What's cooking, dude? Not much. Um, just uh, excited to watch some baseball. I was excited to see, you know, first Subway Series of the year, but obviously I don't think we're going to get that. Um, I did not know that they flew half the Mets team back. I didn't know that that was their their plan. But um, yeah, well, you, just happy to be here. They should have gone Marlin style with a sleeper bus from Miami all the way back to New York. That would have been fun. I still want to know who drove that bus of COVID Marlins that was like, Filled with people. It was a sleeper bus. It's a very strange situation. Uh, yeah, so the Mets have COVID issues. We'll talk about that. Uh, James Pax's elbow is cashed in. It's not looking good. And we'll look at some fab options for the weekend going forward. Don't forget to go to rotofanatic.com. Check out our latest and greatest. We got new articles coming out almost daily. Today's Friday, so we have a new article from Carm Mariano and Paul Mamino. Paul, you were involved in this. What can people look forward to in this article? Uh, Carmen's taking a look at some guys who have had large inning jumps from year to year and guys who threw a lot of innings in the playoffs and kind of how it's affected them. Uh, he's looking a little bit more player specific now, but in the future, we're going to dive into it more overall. Excellent. Cool. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Roto underscore fanatic. Matt, uh, these Mets obviously are not going to play today. They might play this weekend at some point. I would assume your uh, recommendation would be to if you play in a biweekly league where you can reset lineups, probably benching Mets hitters. Yeah, if you can, uh, if you're in a weekly, obviously, if you're in daily, that's beautiful. But if you can reset on like Friday, yeah, you, you probably want to be benching most of them. Uh, Jeff McNeil was already in and out because of the injury he had recently. Uh, Dominic Smith has been dominating. Andres Jimenez has been okay, as you know, has been well defensively and, and playing well. So they're trying to keep him in. Even um, even Luis Guillorme has been hot. So they've been alternating players in and out. Uh, so you weren't assured of getting all of your players in there anyway but still if you have like michael conforto pete alonzo you know you, you you can wait up until the very last minute but if you have a usable option you, you probably want to think about sitting them there's reports that they may try to do a double hitter saturday or sunday but you know we've seen this uh from the cardinals the marlins that hardly ever they hardly ever just jump back onto the field it usually goes longer not shorter yeah, that's true. I assume, uh, Paul, you're on board with this. Why take a risk when, if you have other players on your bench? You could play, right? Yeah, as long as you have other guys, then definitely um, definitely do it. Definitely bench them. Definitely find a replacement. But if you have, like you were saying, Matt, if you have a guy like Conforto who's probably going to play if they play, and you know those are the guys that you want to keep in if you have no other choice. You're not leaving in a guy like even like Mike Ford or any of the Yankee outfielders who might get kind of spaced in and out or they might get rotated through. So if you have a guy that is gonna if you have no other choice, then go with the guy that's gonna play a lot. Don't try to platoon or anything like that. Like if you have Pete Alonso and your only other first baseman is Evan White. Yeah, like Aww. that. That's a reasonable bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Evan White. That's too bad. You know, I think uh, it'd be fun to see the Mets play this weekend still, and I'm really rooting for them. I know with the red situation that happened with the series canceled against the Pirates last weekend, 
And I had Nick Castellanos, and I didn't play him because we didn't know if they were going to be available this week. And he did hit a home run. He produced a little bit, but you just can't take that risk. And so I understand completely what you guys are saying. Weird stuff happened yesterday. Toronto Blue Jays blew a lead. A, or excuse me, they came back from a 7 nothing lead against the Philadelphia Phillies. Pretty exciting. And this gives fuel to the fire to the whole Fernando Tatis Grand Slam situation, which also the Padres hit a fourth consecutive Grand Slam. Eric Hosmer did that last night. Uh, is this the evidence, Matt? I know we talked about this, and you were semi-grumpy old man the other day when it comes to the Tatis situation. But this is proof. You should never, ever give up in a game. Hold on. I was only semi-grumpy old man in terms of I think that you should probably listen to your third base coach regardless of the situation and not burn your players in public. Uh, as far as the 3-0, I mean, look at the batting average for people who swing in 3-0. I don't know what it is. It's probably around 380. Everyone should swing on 3-0. It's called a hitter's count for a freaking reason, not a not a not like a taker's count. So, yeah, I mean, whatever. Insert more jokes about unwritten rules. You can come back at any time. Uh, almost every team in the entire league has blown a seven-run lead uh, at one point or another. Every fan remembers it because it was like the worst game that you can probably remember. Uh, but, yeah, they, keep scoring until the game's over. Yeah, Paul, Hector Neris blew the save in that game, but it really wasn't his fault. There was a couple of egregious errors. Scott Kingery was involved in that. You never know when the game's over, and I think you would say, Paul, you, I mean, you played baseball, right, Paul? So you would say, hey, you always fight. Yeah, I mean, uh, my freshman year, I remember we had a game that I think the final ended up being 23-21 or something like that, but we were uh, we were down about 10 halfway through the game and were able to fight back, and definitely as a player, you're never giving up. Um, so I, I don't understand even former players who are saying that it was, you know, unwritten rules and things like that. I never felt like you would need to, I think it's more egregious to let up and, you know, go base to base instead of really just playing baseball. So Paper. yeah, I'm, I'm all on board for that. Slow death. Yeah. Hey, do you think it's more of a slap in the face to treat the other team? Like they're a wounded animal. Oh like, my God. Oh, 100%. We're, we're so much better than you. We're going to, you know, I'd be like, shut up, continue to play. It's you know, yeah, there's like nothing worse. The other boxer is like throwing the towel and the other guy's like, no. And he's getting his ass kicked and he's like still fighting. It's like that. It's like people just want to go out on their sword. The players don't care. Yeah, at I completely now, agree. At least nowadays. But uh, going back to Neris real quick, the the special zero ERA six whip line or whatever he had yesterday was was quite impressive. I don't think I've ever seen that one before. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, with Neris, it looks bad on the last few outings, but it's not all his fault. It's not as bad as it looks, so I wouldn't panic just yet on Neris. Plus, they don't have a lot of other options on that back end. It's a nightmare in the bullpen. As far as Thursday, there was beautiful pitching efforts. We had Giolito's 13 Ks. We had Shane Bieber striking out 11. Uh, Mr. Kershaw looked good, but Giolito's 13 Ks led the way against the Tigers team that strikes out a ton. This is not a shock. And I think we discussed, Matt, about the fact that Giolito can be really good against the lesser teams, and this was a perfect, perfect setup for him. Yeah, he, he can be really good against good teams, too. Uh, the first three games of the year, he's um, in, in today it was kind of the same thing as far as effectiveness. Fastball changeup, that's his bread and butter. Uh, 10 whiffs on the changeup, or 10 whiffs on the fastball, 11 whiffs on the changeup, which is fantastic. But the last three starts, he's been mixing in his slider a lot more. Uh, first three games, it was non-existent. Yesterday, he mixed in, again, 110 pitches. He mixed in 13 of them, which doesn't seem like a lot, but um, he usually works kind of um, you know, all – over the zone with both his changer and fat change up and fastball as far as knees to, you know, head. Uh, and he mixes in that slider uh, at the bottom of the zone that kind of keeps people honest. It's not like a big swing and miss pitch for him, but 
Um, when he mixes it in effectively, it seems to work. But again, it is the Tigers. Uh, they they are a little more easily fooled. <laughs> no offense than uh, you know the average team, <laughs> but yeah, Giolito, you know he can be good. He I wouldn't read too much into it being a bad team. Lucas Giolito is very good. Paul, would you rather have Kershaw or Giolito? Is that fair camp comparison in your opinion? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I think give me Kershaw over Giolito. I think the the knock with Kershaw for years has always just been the, the innings differences. And and right now with the shortened season, it's not going to be as much of a problem. And he got his IL start, you know, his IL appearance out of the way. And hopefully that, that he can stay healthy for the rest of the year. But I like Giolito. And I think that this, the way that the central little silo or whatever you want to call it, they have some really elite offenses and some of the worst offenses in the league. So he's a guy who had some struggles early on because he was facing some of the better offenses. And now, now he gets a little bit of a stretch with some of the weaker ones, which could be really valuable for him. But yeah, if, I, if you have a choice between the two, give me Kershaw for this year for sure. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Matt, what do you think of that comparison? Yeah, I mean, so I think it's fine. It's very close. Uh, Kershaw, when he's healthy, he actually goes deep. Actually, I mean, he's you know he's often injured, but when he's on the field, he tends to go like seven plus. He's uh, when he you know when he's actually out there, which is why some people were kind of on him in a short season if he can stay on the field. Uh, Giolito is in that central hub where, yeah, there's some okay offenses, but most of them, even the good ones, strike out like crazy. So I'd be happy, you know, I, you could flip a coin. I, I think that if I had to pick between one of the two, it, it's probably Kershaw because Giolito has shown the propensity to get blown up. Blow out. Oh, man, that's too bad. Paxton, Mr. Paxton, James Paxton of the New York Yankees has an elbow issue. It's very sad. It's been a ticking time bomb the whole season. It was just a matter of time before. Something went down. The velocity wasn't there. And even though he struck out eight yesterday, he still has to get an MRI. We'll see what's going on with that. This is not news, right, Paul? James Paxson? Hey. I'm, I mean, yeah. I mean, the only the, the noteworthy part is that it could be Clark Schmidt could finally get a chance and could become part of that rotation, which would be cool. Really? Uh, you think so? Uh, they need to do something. I mean, the Every, rest everyone of, else on the planet's up. Why not him? Yeah. And the, the rest of that rotation isn't anything special. I mean, I like Jordan Montgomery. I think he's serviceable. I'm not the biggest Tanaka fan. Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. And then Jay Happ is terrible. And then you're kind of, it's all a big question mark. So give me Clark Schmidt as a Yankee fan and let's see what he can do because they're going to need pitching when it comes to the playoffs. Hmm. No Davey Garcia? Schmidt's the man probably before Garcia? I think Schmidt gets a chance before Garcia. Um, that's just a, a gut. It, it's going to be Michael King or Loizaga, and everyone's going to be upset that it's not Clark Schmidt. But I would like it to be Clark Schmidt. I like Loizaga. I don't know what uh, John Lasagna. I'm on board with him. But yeah, I, I'm <laughs> obviously more excited about Schmidt. Uh, yeah, James Paxton. Water's wet. Who cares? I, I, it, you shouldn't have him on your team at this point. Big Maple is is a good pitcher, but your your chance to sell high was after his last outing. Um, you know, you're stuck with them now. Sorry for your loss. I like, Aww. uh, I like Lawazica too, Matt, but th they don't seem to let him go deep. So you either got to open with him, which could be Garcia. You could go with the Garcia to start for like two and then Lawazica get the, the middle innings. But no, what I'm yeah. looking forward to is when Clint Frazier and Lawazica go to Cleveland for, uh, Mike Clevenger and Cleveland works their magic and lets, uh, turns Lawazica into some kind of monster. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. Plus, you get Mike Clevenger in the yeah, end. I mean, so it's, it's, a, win, it's, it's a win win for everybody. Good trade off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Teoscar Hernandez hit another home run. Teoscar Hernandez is having himself a rock solid season. He's striking out a lot. In the first game of the doubleheader, he struck out three times. But the second game of the doubleheader against the Phillies yesterday, he hit a home run. 
Matt, where's your uh, where's your value system ranking to Oscar Hernandez? Is somebody who's taking the next step and maybe becoming someone who's more legitimate, like a definitely a twelve team buy or no? Um, I, I I like him as much as I always have. I either he always thought that this was in him the uh, the hot streaks, but he's kind of done this before. Um, right now he's in the, the you know all red sackass ninety ninth percentile of hard hit and exit velocity. <clears throat> He did that in 2018 too. The only real difference now is he's batting 289. The expected batting average is 302. The rest of his expected stats are great. Expected Wobicon is actually 535, which is crazy. His strikeout percentage is actually lower than typical at 27.9. He's usually north of 30. Last year, 33. But the big thing is the walk percentage. He's only at 2.3, which is, which is, um, you know, shitty. <laughs> so, uh, you know, his, his swinging strike rate is the worst of his career. His O swing is worse. Um, it's just, yeah, the, the, eventually the power is always legitimate. Uh, I'd like to see more steals. If you actually look at him in the minors, he's actually a very, very fast guy. I'd like to see him steal more. So continue, continue with that. But the batting average is going to fall down. He's going to end up going through a cold streak. So he's he's a definite sell high for me in redraft. In dynasty, I wouldn't be looking to because you never know if he makes little adjustments here or there. He hits the ball hard enough to keep his BABIP up because his line drive rate is also way up, which is something you really like to see. But overall, if someone's really buying into him being like, you know, uh, a possible home run champion, I would look to unload him, but it would have to be high. When I say how say sell high, I actually mean high. But um, other than that, yeah, Tosker, we all kind of knew he could do this already. He hasn't stole a base since July 28th, so it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Paul, Tosker Hernandez, time to buy, right? Let's buy big time. I've I've always liked him when he was cheap and on the back, you know, in the back end of drafts, and I'm kind of a sucker for guys that have power and speed, so I will. I always end up with terrible batting averages because I end up drafting these guys and it kills me by the end of the year. But I mean, it's better. It's still not great. He's still pretty horrific when it comes to plate discipline. Like I have a, a metric that I've, that I've worked on and cited occasionally that he just, he doesn't swing at great pitches. I mean, and he's doing a lot to improve that, but he swings at terrible pitches. The walk rate proves it. He swings and misses a ton. A lot of it is how pitchers pitch him. They pitch him pretty aggressively for whiffs because they know he's going to swing at it. Um, so, I mean, if someone wants to buy him, awesome. If I own him, then I'm going to keep playing him and I'm going to keep riding the hot streak. But I don't think I'm going to actively try to trade for him if, unless he's magically sitting on my wire and then I'll pick him up. Like, why would they continue to throw him fastballs? 56% fastballs there. He's hitting 392 against them with a 26% whiff rate. Breaking balls, they're only throwing 25% of the time. He's hitting 160 with a 56% whiff rate off speed. Jeez. Only 17% yeah. hitting 143 with a 42% whiff rate. Just That's throw them. Literally, don't throw him anything else. Yeah. I Just down the middle. I don't think he can hit him. It's the Dylan Moore saga. Same thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> why do people... Yeah. Certain guys. Hey, he, hey, if he's gonna be if he's gonna be hitting these left and right home runs, I mean, just make him prove it. You know, I mean, just yeah. it's kind of like in football. Like, keep running the ball until they prove they can stop it. You throw him breaking stuff. Remember when the Rockies were like eleven and four in first place in the division? Uh, now they're thirteen and twelve. And Herman Marquez gave up ten double digit earned runs yesterday. He gave up five, and then he settled down. But then he gave up five more a couple innings later, and. Is this a fluke, Matt? Is this more of the signs of the home woes that we saw last year from Marquez, or is this just something that happens because the Astros are pretty good offense? Uh, this is actually, in my opinion, I mean, it was always going to be a dangerous matchup at home versus the Astros, even with them being banged up. But uh, I think this is more like what happened to Dylan Bundy the other day. 
Uh, there's a, uh, a you know, uh, Herman Marquez has one very, very good pitch, and it's his slider. Yesterday, he only threw it 17% of the time because it wasn't working. Same with Bundy. You look at the pitch mix, he didn't throw it a lot, and people would want to point to that. Oh, he didn't throw his slider enough. No, he didn't throw it enough because it wasn't working for him yesterday. He threw his four seam 43% of the time, knuckle curve 32% of the time. Um, the slider, he threw 15 times, only got one whiff, one called strike, CFW of 13% because, you know, one and one. So, yeah, there's that's basically what it boils down to. He was pitching at course Field without his best pitch. If you're going to go in against the Astros and pretty much be throwing nothing but fastballs, um, then you're going to be in danger. So, yeah, I would take this opportunity to go ahead and buy low on Mar- Marquez. He's not injured. Uh, he ran into a good offense at course Field, and his slider wasn't working. It's a, it's a perfect recipe to buy low. Any challenges to that, Paul? No, I mean – Marquez has kind of done this every year of his career, right? So he he'll go through these phases where he he looks like the best pitcher in baseball, and sometimes that lines up with cores, and sometimes it doesn't. I remember last year, I think he got blow blown up like in Arizona or by the Giants on the road, and it just made no sense. Where he dominated in cores and threw eight shutout innings the next time out. So I don't think this is anything different than what he's done in the past, and this is kind of why all of his end of year numbers look worse than he actually is as a pitcher. So. I, I mean, I don't know why they left him out there to, to give up five in another inning after giving up five early on. I think I lost four or five points in the ERA somewhere where I owned him just on his start alone yesterday. So I'm not selling him. I still believe in the talent, and I think he's truly one of the better pitchers in baseball. It's just this is going to happen. <laughs> this is just going to happen. Oh, yeah. That's what we it's the top notch advice you get on the morning relay. This is just going to happen. I like that. Uh, <laughs> Shane Bieber and Clayton Kershaw both struck out 11 apiece last night. So that's going to be a perfect excuse for me to use the Spinal Tap reference on Quality Start today, by the way. And Brian Reynolds didn't start in this game in the Pirates-Indians showdown, but he pinch hit, and he's hitting a poultry, poultry 171. I mean, it looks real bad. And Brian Reynolds has been dropped in almost every league I'm a part of at this point. Do you think that's a bad move, Matt? Because Reynolds can't get any worse. There's got to be a turnaround at some point, doesn't there? I believe still pick him up. Um, he, he's not going to give you tons of power. He, like he's a batting average guy counting stats. He, he had a little bit of power last year. Uh, so it depends on team need, but yeah, he should definitely not be dropped is his O swing is actually, you know, his, it, cause he had good plate discipline last year. His O swing is actually about like 4% better his swing strike rates about the same. There's nothing too crazy going on with his contact, his line drive percentage, which, which made him the hitter he was, is actually up. Uh, he, you know, last year it was, uh, it was sitting around like, uh, was it 23% right now? It's up to 29% hard, hard contact at 50% up from 42 is soft contact. Last year was 16.4. Now it's only 9.1 sprint speeds, the exact same. Uh, so all those high BABIP skills exist. His ground ball rate is down. He just has a, uh, his, his home run to fly ball ratio is cut in half to like 7%. And his BABIP is sitting um, around 256, which is entire career, including the minors. The lowest it's ever been is 362. So I, and I, I think this is just a weird scenario of him just being in a bad lineup with a ton of bad luck. So yeah, there's nowhere to go but up. And I would gladly pick him up. I mean, expectations in check of what he can provide when he's, you know, even when he's right, it's batting average and a moderate amount of home runs. But, you know, if that works for you, I expect him to kind of turn back into the hitter we thought he was going. Yeah, he was one of the guys in your profile uh, in preseason, the 400 article. And you said he had all the tools to make that happen. So, well, he, he, he has, yeah. Well, 
you know, there's weird things. There's one thing between there's a difference between leading the league and batting average and then leading trying to go for something like 400, which requires a lot of luck. And Babbitt based luck is still skill based because you need like to hit line drives. You need to be able to pull the ball. You need hard contact. You need sprint speed. There's a lot of things that go into it. And he has all those and all the, he's still all those boxes still check out. So that 256 Babbitt, it's going to get better. It really is. His walk rate still 12.7%. I mean, it's just, well, that's good. It's, it's all bizarre how there's nothing that actually shows that proves why he's doing this terribly. It just all points to it just being just a big crock of bad luck so far. He's got the Pittsburgh Pirates fever. That's what it is. It's just a simple, simple sickness. And the whole offense seems to have it. Uh, Paul, Brian Reynolds is a solid hitter usually, so it's got to get better from here. Yeah, I mean, um, when I first built out a, a prospect model, he was one of the top guys that came through from last season, and he was definitely under unheralded. But when he first came up, no one really expected him to do what he did. If you're low in batting average and you need the help, then yeah, you're going to chase him. But it's definitely team-driven, and, and team context matters more than anything. The Pirates are so bad that the remaining con- the remaining counting stats aren't going to be there. So when, if you're picking him up, you got to kind of realize that you're only picking him up, hoping that his batting average turns around. There's not a ton of power. There's not going to be a ton of runs scored. It's not he, he runs a little bit, but not a ton. And he's not going to drive in anybody because nobody on that team can get on base. So you're asking for batting average help, and you're only really going to need that if you're down at the bottom. But the outfield pool right now is pretty depleted, so... I think he should be owned in most leagues. It's just not necessarily your team. Oh, well, you know, who should not be owned right now is Byron Buxton and Mitch Garver, both on the IL. Uh, We have more injuries, including them, Nate Pearson. Uh, Alex Bregman went on the IL, too, and it looks like he'll be out for a few weeks at least. So there's a lot of holes that need to be filled, and maybe Brian Reynolds can fill the void for some of those if he can turn it around. Jose Barrios pitched fantastic yesterday, a one-hitter against the Brewers. Now, this is the Brewers offense who has not been a you know, world beaters, but this is a good sign, Matt. Time to uh time to buy in on Burrios, right? Same pitch I always thought he was. Same thing here. I he did well. It was all called strikes. Uh that's just Ooh. something that is his calling card before. There's some pitchers in baseball that get by on a on crazy amount of called strikes. Sonny Gray was one of them. He obviously has changed it up a little bit, but that curveball, it's just not as dominating as it seems. He places it well, only four whiffs, but 12 called strikes, which gives him a 52% CSW. Not that that's bad. Um, sinker, four whiffs, four, four called strikes for 38%. He had everything working really well yesterday. So I don't necessarily see this as a, oh, we're going to expect this to be this going forward. I, I think that this is probably his best game of the year. We saw it. It's 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 come and gone. I I believed in Barrios. I think that his his ADP was fair because I think that he's good. He's just not dominant. Like I don't know if he's like I'm not saying he's not an ace. He's like you know one over a, a B plus ace. Is that a thing? Uh, <laughs> on a really good team, he's he's a number two starter. And I I'm people that really love Barrios are going to jump down my throat for that. But it's it's a it's a fact. If you're going to win a World Series. He needs to not be your ace, in my opinion. And that's, what a, you know, hey, Sonny Gray's not an ace. You know, Carl, I mean, there's plenty of really good pitchers that aren't number ones. And I think he's one of those pitchers. He's just, I, he, he doesn't have that killer instinct on a consistent basis. These games are going to come uh, and he's going to look like this, but there's also going to be a few average Joe starts in there. So it, <laughs> I would actually take this opportunity to sell Barrios uh, uh, if I really, uh, needed something else like we needed a hitter and you're like flush with pitching maybe uh 
because yeah, I think this is the best it gets for Barrios. So what about his opponent on the mound yesterday? Would you rather have Woodruff over Barrios? Oh, I think I would. Yes, I would. I think I think Woodruff is an ace. I think that there's still some things working up as far as him maybe getting his uh, you know his his workload together. He didn't go really deep into games last year. This year he's he's been going a little deeper. Not not this time, but I think he has it in him to dominate you. Uh, I don't think Barrios necessarily has that on a consistent basis. I like them both. Again, I'm not burying Barrios. I think he's perfectly. Va- I think he was valued perfectly at ADP, which is still a top pitcher. But I, yeah, I think that. He's inconsistent, and it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Paul, do you think Barrios is just fine? Uh, I think I'm a little bit higher on Barrios than you might be, Matt, but that's more just a. I end up owning him a lot of times. I like him in that tier of pitcher. Um, I actually talked about him this week in the, the GPS location report, and we're two for two with guys having dominant starts after being in that, so that, that makes me feel good. But um, the big thing that I noticed from this game was that he, he completely changed his pitch mix. He threw his curve way more than he has been. His fastball has been his most heavily used pitch. And as I talked about in the article, it's absolutely getting crushed. He's pretty much throwing the fastball down the middle of the plate. It's one of the worst expected whiff rates, one of the worst expected Wobicons based on location and all the data that I've, that I've run. But he seemed to have changed, and he didn't really locate it as well, still the fastball, but throwing the curve more seemed to be really helpful for him and helped kind of keep hitters off of that fastball. Um, I like Barrios. It might not be a bad time to sell him, but I think the expectations have to be what they are for him. Again, he's he's the best pitcher on their team probably, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's an ace by any means. And I like him mainly because that offense is so good that he should be able to get some wins. Well, here, this is what I mean by Barrios in terms of I like him, but I think he was priced fairly and by sell high. He was drafted ahead of Brandon Woodruff, incidentally. Final ADP. These are pitchers that was drafted ahead of him. Who would you rather have? Who would you rather have Barrios than Trevor Bauer? No. Um, Zach Greinke? Eh, probably Greinke. And then you Darvish, Aaron yeah. Nola. Charlie Morton doesn't count for obvious reasons. Uh, Lucas Giolito, Kershaw, Corbin, Luis Castillo, uh, Steven Strasburg, I guess, you know, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's fine, but he has kind of his own issues that you guys are going to talk about in the article, but then Shane Bieber, Walker Bueller. I mean, I think that that's that's kind of what I mean. Like he was good. He is good. <laughs> I don't think you can really do anything. If someone if someone wants to give you one of those other pitchers, I think you'd do it. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, by the way, hey, maybe you could get uh, Nathan Eovalde. He shut down the O's yesterday. That was rare. We haven't seen the O's offense been shut down much, but he pitched well. It's a fluke. I wouldn't buy into it, right? I mean, there's no need to cover this. This happens once in a while. Pitchers pitch well, and they move forward with their lives, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> much. exactly. So <laughs> interestingly enough, which actually surprised me, I've always kind of liked Diavaldi, but he's always been that guy that throws really hard and doesn't get the, the requisite wits or anything like that that comes with it. So far, he's actually kind of flipped it. Historically, he's been below average in, in what I call like whiff influence. So it's like how much more overexpected he can he can get. He's got the 11th highest right now. So something might be different. It might just be a small sample size fluke. He's not exactly pitching well that it's that it's translating, but the big knock on him has always been the whiffs, and they seem to be coming at a little bit better of a rate now. So it's a guy I'm going to monitor. It's a guy that I'll probably try to stream here and there, but it, it hasn't exactly been great. So I understand if you are you don't feel comfortable putting him in your lineup. Yeah, I wouldn't feel comfortable either, but <laughs> that is true. He makes a good point, Paul. Uh, and then finally, how about this? Eric Hosmer's Grand Slam and a stolen bag. Isn't that nice? You love seeing that in your stat line. That's a full day's work right there. Uh, Luke Voigt also hit another home run yesterday. 
Matt, who would you rather have, Eric Hosmer or Luke Voigt right now? Luke Voigt. It's not even close. It's not even close. No, it's not even close. I, I like I, I, I like what I, I like what Hosmer's doing, by the way. Yeah. But Luke Voigt uh, is uh, is is just better. Uh, you know, I, he didn't need to make a weird transition from being nothing, you know, being allergic to fly balls in his entire career. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think that he made Eric Hosmer made a change. He's obviously done well with it. But Luke Voigt has done nothing but mash since he came up. He's consistently mashed since. So, yeah, give me the guy that has always been good and continues to be good over the guy that made a, a, a uh, adjustment after like 10 years, you know. <laughs> Wow, I, I really thought uh, you would go Hosmer. They're interesting. And this isn't me being down on Hosmer by any means. I think this no, is no, me no. still not understanding how good Luke Voigt is. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm pro Voigt all the way. But you, you were the one who sold me on Hosmer more this season when we talked about him about a month ago with the launch angle change. So. Oh yeah, well, I mean, you, you, you tie with that that he was like kind of free in 12 team drafts. You know, what I mean, yeah. like it's it's all relative. Uh, we're talking, we're not comparing him to you know Joey Votto. We're comparing him to Luke Voigt. <laughs> How about you? Who would you rather have, Paul? I mean, I'm going to take Voigt still as well. I mean, again, it's the same thing. The the guy who's done it pretty much since he came up versus the guy who's changed and completely become a different player now. But I will mention that the stolen base is nice. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, as fantasy owners and stuff, you need to get to your numbers or get to your get stolen bases and things like that. But I think position matters a lot. Like stolen bases at first base are worth more than stolen bases than from a second baseman or from a shortstop mainly just because of the scarcity of it. So if he runs more, then this might become pretty close. But if we're just talking average and home runs and Hosmer's not running, then, yeah, it's Voight by a long shot. Okay, that's true. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on those stolen bags. That would be a nice little booster for us. All right, you listen to the morning relay, of course, rotofanatic.com's daily breakdown of fantasy baseball. We're going to wrap up the show because it's the weekend. We're going to mention a couple of names here, and I want to know straight out from each of you if these guys are fab-worthy of your money, your precious fab dollars. Fob or fab? How do you guys say it? Fob? Fab? I say, fab. I say fab. I say fab as well. Fob. Key fob. Yeah, fab. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, Luke Weaver. Matt, Luke Weaver, are you going to buy? Or would you be? I think I already know the answer to this, but I got to ask you the question. I mean, 10 team, no. 12 team, yeah, back end, I'd put in a bid. And 15, absolute must. Paul? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm buying and I probably would stream him in like 12 and maybe 10 if I'm desperate, but I've always been a huge fan of Luke Weaver, so I'll definitely be picking him up in 15 if he's available. Uh, Casey Mize, obviously fab-worthy if he's still available. I mean, but what about Tarek Skubal, Matt? Would you pick up Skubal? Um, just to go back to Mize, yeah, uh, even in 10-team leagues, he must be started. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah, yeah uh, Skubal, uh, yeah, I, I would still pick him up. Uh, in 12-team, I... I wouldn't be that aggressive and 15 team is an absolute must uh, to, to, to see what he does from here on out. But yeah, I would, I would, I would put him in the same level as like Weaver though, in terms of uh, how aggressive I'd be. Paul, I'm going to be i uh, I'm pretty anti rookie pitchers, so I probably won't be bidding too heavily on these guys. Um, Even mine? Just, <clears throat> mine I'd, I'd probably, I'll put a bit in, but the amount that they typically go for and the return that they actually get for you is, is really not that significant in my opinion. So I tend to kind of stay away from those guys and let others put up a ton of money for them. So definitely putting bids in on both guys. Um, I really do like school and he might go a little cheaper just because of how bad the first start was, but we do get us, I believe we get another look at him Sunday. I think he's supposed to go again. So if he throws well there, then the price is going to go up. But if he struggles again, 
then I'll probably put in a decent bid in a 15 just to just to buy in on the talent. Joey Bart, the stud prospect catcher for the Giants, got the call yesterday. And uh, by the way, you can read our quick little article that Dave Funnel did on Joey Bart's arrival, in case you missed it, on rotofanatic.com. This is a no-brainer, I assume. Joey Bart went one for four yesterday, made his debut, got a base hit. Matt, you're buying Joey Bart everywhere if you can. Yeah, and twelve and fifteen is a must. It's just because catcher's been a cesspool. It's it's he he probably will struggle, but they didn't bring him up to sit. So yeah, if if you're hurting a catcher and you probably are, um, you know the three quarters of your league is you got to give him a shot. Except there's a chance that I wouldn't blow all my fab on him. You're gonna need other things. There's a ch- there's probably one person more desperate than you are. So again, I wouldn't I wouldn't unload the clip on him, but he must be owned. Uh, just make sure he's owned. Yeah. But by the way, nobody uses cesspool better than Matt Williams. Trust me. Seriously. He's so good with it. Perfect timing. Um, Paul, Joey Bart. I love Joey Bart. I think this is a guy who can really rake and I'm excited. I mean, I'm a fan. I think he's going to be a really good player for a long time. I think that I'll let somebody else throw a ton more money than I will on him. Um, I'm a little upset that it it causes Chadwick Trump not to play anymore. He's got a cool name and he's actually kind of a good hitter. Um, But if if I need a catcher, uh, we kind of glossed over it quickly, but I'm going for Alex Avila. Um, He's going to replace Mitch Garver for a little while. And he's he's a really interesting plate discipline guy. Uh, the past few years, he's kind of like he's walked a lot more and he's not great. But for catcher, I mean, <laughs> like Matt said, it's a cesspool. So we need something better. So uh, I'd rather throw low money on Avila than Bart. You subbed up Avila really good. He's a very interesting plate discipline guy. He's not that good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's got a little bit of pop. He walks a ton. He's going to get on base. That lineup is awesome. He's going to hit yeah. nine. But if you hit nine and then you turn the lineup over to, you know, Polanco and Kepler, you might score some runs, so it's not the worst idea. That'd be right, though, about the someone like I said, there, there'll be someone more excited than you. Let them do it yeah. because the the ceiling for Bart is amazing, but you you don't you don't need to. People stare at ceiling too much. Stare yeah. at the floor, everybody. Yeah. But you need to look at a realistic uh, expectation. If you look at Avila's uh, realistic expectation versus Bart's, um, they're not actually as far apart as you think they are, but the ceilings are, you know, what tantalizes everybody. And but the chances of a rookie catcher reaching that are so slim. I mean, he does. does how many at bats does he have above a ball? Zero or double uh, A? Zero, right? I think I think you're right. I mean, because he's also been injured a little bit. Well, I mean, not zero. Now he has four. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah but you know, he Go had on. a great Arizona Fall League. That was what people really took notice of. But no, hey, right. he's going to be a good hitter. He's we're, be not, good. We're, yeah. not, we're not downplaying. <laughs> we're talking about how he's going to do in the next, like you know, whatever, 30, 40 games. No, you're talking floors. So speaking of floors, Sixto Sanchez is going to make his debut. He was the centerpiece of the Real Muto trade. What's the floor here? Is this another case for you, Matt? Where you say, you know, let's wait and see. Nope. Uh, I mean, uh, he, uh, Paul's going to disagree with me because he's out on, on rookie pitchers, but the same as Mize. Sixto throws, uh, not the same as Mize with this, but Sixto throws like 100 plus miles per hour. He is definitely a front end starter going forward. He has the possibility of being an actual ace. Uh, he should be owned in all leagues, including 10 team. You got to wait it out and see. If you're desperate for pitching and need a spark plug, I would kind of be bidding for guys like this, uh, like him and Mize, because if they do somehow figure it out, it happens his ceiling can actually carry your team up the standings where there's, it's nothing like him is available on waivers. Um, it just depends on team though. I, if you're set, you don't want to be blowing a ton of money on him. If you happen to have saved your fab and have been lucky so far, he's the kind of guy maybe you can splurge on, you know, buy yourself something special. Uh, oh. But you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm excited. 
Um, again, realistic expectations. He's a rookie. He'll probably have blowups here and there. But if you just need a spark plug, you need some strikeouts, go for it. Some nice high vaulted ceilings there with Sixto Sanchez. That sounds good. Uh, Paul, changing your tune on this one, right? This is a unique case, right? I th- Honestly, I think I'd be more willing to, to bet on him than Mize. I don't really exactly know why. I think Mize's injury history kind of scares me a little bit. So not that Sixto's been... Though? Yeah, not, not that he's been a pinnacle of health either. But I do think that the the floor is much lower, but I think the ceiling might be even a little bit higher. Um, I think that one of the things with Mize is that he was always pretty much MLB ready once he got drafted. So he's been high and, and he's a great pitcher and I think he's got some real talent, but I think that Sanchez has a much higher ceiling. So I might be a little more willing if I'm desperate to go after it, but it's kind of the same thing for me that unless I'm really desperate for pitching, I'm not going to throw a lot of money at these guys. I'd rather take my chances and, and buy a two start guy rather than, than throw a ton at these prospects. And one more guy, Brendan Rogers got the call this week, so he'll be available for fab bidding. Matt, Brendan Rogers this is not worth it because it's just a mess with the Rockies lineups. Yeah. 15 team only. I don't trust the Rockies. Yeah. I have no idea where he's going to play. There you go. That's it. That's what I figured. All right. So there's your fob breakdown. Hopefully you guys spend your money freely and wisely. Always be spending. Okay. This has been the morning relay for Friday. We're going to wrap up the show. Uh, Matt, any one thing you're looking forward to this weekend and uh, tell people where they could find you talking about baseball. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking forward to all the rookies. I mean, there's tons called up. Tristan McKenzie uh, is coming up too. I, obviously, we just talked about Sixto. I want to see how Tariq, uh, Tarek Skubal does in his, his second start. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. All the rookies that are coming up, uh, There's even some hitters are coming up. I'd like to see Mackenzie Gore come up. Where are you, Mackenzie Gore? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Williams, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Ask me baseball questions at any time, man. I love talking baseball. Paul, let people know where they can find you and tell us what's the one thing you're most excited for this weekend. Yeah, um, I think one of the things I'm most excited for is watching some of the the elite pitchers that we have going this weekend. Like Aaron Nola has been absolutely incredible this year, and I've been a long, long time been a fan of his. He's another guy, kind of you talked about it before with Sonny Gray, Matt, that gets away with a lot of called strikes and called strikes are kind of his whole key. Um, right now, he's doing really well with it. So it's been really successful again. So I'm curious to see if you can keep it up. Um, that Atlanta lineup's not incredible but you know he he should have a pretty good uh, matchup and see if he can keep it rolling before the Phillies bullpen has to come in and uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, at P Mamino fantasy um, I've been trying to do a little bit of a thing where I talk about one pitcher starting that day and I'm um, gonna try to dive into it a little bit more and and see what else I can find interesting fantastic yes and I'm at MJ Govier G-O-V-I-E-R and this weekend we will have more more and more for you to check out. Closing remarks from Mike Carter comes out every Sunday, and then Nathan Dawkins' SP Barometer comes out every Monday for you guys, always and consistently. So we'll be back Sunday night, and we'll see what (laughs) we got right and uh, what else happened this wild weekend in fantasy baseball. This has been the Morning Relay for Friday. Have a good weekend, everybody.